Hey, what's going on crypto family? So today we've got Rob. He is the CEO and founder of Horizon. Formerly it was called Zencash. You know, we talk about his background, the rebranding, some of the struggles and successes. It was really a great time and I hope you enjoy it. Just a friendly reminder, the Crypto Beatles shows are never financial advice, recommendations, or trading strategies. The views expressed here are solely that of myself, Robert Beatles, and my guests. I am the co-founder and the builder of the Monarch Wallet, host on TradingView sessions and Crypto Beatles on YouTube. My opinions here do not reflect that of those entities. Some information shared here may not actually be factual. These shows are for information and entertainment purposes only. Never invest a single Satoshi or penny in anything without first seeking the counsel and advice of a professional financial advisor. I am not a financial expert or advisor. Investing in anything is extremely dangerous. You can lose all of your money. Always trade at your own risk. So without further ado, let's go meet Rob. What is going on, crypto family? So today we got the CEO and the founder. We got Rob here with Horizon. So thanks a bunch, man, for coming on. You know, the community's talked a lot about your guys' projects. So it's cool to get you on here and uh, hear all about it, man. How you doing? Thanks. Happy to be here. Doing well. Awesome. Cool, man. So, you know, I guess, you know, before we start talking about Horizon and all that kind of stuff, it's always cool to kind of learn a little bit about the founder. And I always like to ask, you know, some fun questions to get, you know, to kind of get things going yeah. to understand, you know, you know, maybe a little bit more of the mentality behind the guy. So if you could change anything in the world, you know, what's, what's one thing in the world you would change? It could be blockchain related. It could be, you know, philanthropic. It could be, you know, you could be as selfish as you want, man. Just one thing in the world you could change. <laughs> totally. <laughs> No, I, I mean, I think the one really big thing that I would love to change with the world is the fact that so many people live under so many stupid rules just because these rules exist and they have existed and they continue to persist for no other reason than they have existed. And I think this is the whole point of our industry is we're trying to undo this. So it's like one really big undoing project that we have. Yeah, I, I know like in Congress and, and with legislation and things like that, it seems like every rule they go to change, they create three more in the process of trying to change it. So it's... Uh, <laughs> layers and layers of redundancy and more and more regulation. So it'd be cool yeah, if, you know, like but, Trump, he wanted to do like the IRS, uh, you know, filings on one page, you know, that sounded great when he was running for office, but I think it got fatter. I think it got bigger than, you know, than smaller. So Exactly. Exactly. You know, honestly, like from, from economics perspective, the IRS is probably one of the, the, you know, most inefficient ways of collecting revenue. And it's just unfortunate that it continues to persist. And instead of actually every reform is basically, thousands of new pages of rules instead of actually just undoing the inefficient bad ones and making things more simplified. Yeah. Well, hopefully with blockchain, you know, maybe the IRS will streamline things a little bit better there too. So there's, there's possibly <laughs> yeah. hope, right? So, you know, exactly. And, exactly. And then as far as, you know, you as, you know, you as a person, man, growing up, you know, where'd you grow up at? Um, you know, what's some of your background, your history? How'd you get into blockchain? All that kind of fun stuff. Yeah. So I'm, I'm a New Yorker, um, you know, from back in the day uh, where, where I grew up on Long Island, New York. Uh, I, I got into blockchain because, uh, you know, I'm uh, what I usually say is I'm not old enough to be a true cypherpunk, but I'm a cypherpunk um, enthusiast. So I, I was, you know, just personally a really big libertarian. And I love the idea when Bitcoin first came around of separating money from state. So this idea that we can actually create just more rational rules-based systems that people can voluntarily opt into, which is really appealing. So, I mean, I, I came professionally from, I, I was a military physicist, actually. Wow. Uh, so I worked for Air Force Space Command in my early career launching satellites and working with, um, you know, satellite, you know, radar satellite systems. 
and all that. And then you must have really seen some stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Are aliens real then? (laughs) (laughs) I've seen a lot of stuff, right? (laughs) So I, you know, I never got to go to Area 51. So I really, I don't know. I've seen the movies. Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) But um, no, so I I did that. I went back to academia. Uh, So I, I pivoted from hard sciences into social sciences, and I studied financial economics for my PhD. Uh, so it was a completely different world, but I was really happy to you know, start applying some of the tools of science and to figure out how humans operate and how we can make a better world for people. Impressive, man. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's a lot of book smarts right there. That's, that's definitely a lot of schooling. A lot of, <laughs> yeah, a lot of schooling, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so awesome. How that correlates to IQ, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> how it, I guess, correlates to blockchain is, I guess, what we're going to find out, right? So, yeah. Then, which which kind of brings us to Horizon, right? So what is it, um, you know, what's what's Horizon do, kind of in a nutshell for people that don't know? It's, it's a blockchain, but uh, what makes it special? Totally. Yeah. It's a blockchain, and yeah, it, it didn't actually start off as anything that special. So I actually co-founded it with my, my partner, Rolf Versluis. He's another, talk about Brainiac, he's uh, a former naval nuclear engineer. So, you know, <laughs> he and I got along really well. And, um, you, guys can along. Go to the moon. you guys can go to the moon yeah. or, or the bottom <laughs> of the ocean. That's awesome. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so he, he spent the first part of his career actually hunting Soviet subs in the Pacific. So wow. awesome stories. You know, he's, he's a, a great guy to have a beer with. I bet. <laughs> <laughs> so we launched as not that special of a blockchain because we really just replicated the code for Zcash. Basically, we launched as a clone of Zcash, and then we did some minor modifications to make the network layer more secure. So we introduced um, you know, TLS encryption at the for the node-to-node encryption. So uh, you know, Zcash pioneered bringing uh, you know zero-knowledge cryptography into the cryptocurrency space. So we wanted to fork with that and run with that. And then start introducing some different things. So the things that were different were we thought we could innovate on the economics, first of all. And, you know, this was kind of our early contributions to the industry is innovating on we have a treasury pool. So basically, you know, what I think that Satoshi did awesome. Well, Satoshi did many things really, really amazingly and is a huge pioneer. But what could be improved on was how we govern these systems and how the systems actually reward stakeholders. So from a theoretical perspective, you would want the marginal benefit to any stakeholder to be roughly equivalent to their marginal contribution. And, you know, Satoshi said it's set the system so that miners had all of the marginal benefit, right? All the new coins supplied would go to or issued would go to miners, which, you know, you absolutely need to incentivize miners. But there are many other people and stakeholders that you know, contribute to a system to build it out anywhere from software development to evangelizing the network, right? There's a whole bunch of stuff, you know, in between. And we're still learning all the valuable contributions that people can make. And you have to be able to align the marginal benefits of the system to, you know, proliferate this. So we started off as, you know, from a technical perspective, really, you know, Zcash-like on the core tech side, and then on the economic side, something totally different. So we introduced this treasury pool so that we can reward other people. Uh, we have we introduced two classes of node operators. So we said, well, what are some other valuable things that people do with these networks? Well, they run software. People that run software, a full node, you know, probably ought to be compensated. So we set up some staking systems for these different types of node operators. And we required them to actually maintain security of the network by running valid TLS certificates. So actually, we can protect the data that's going across the network and, you know, uh, encapsulate data in the zero-knowledge cryptography for the payload itself. So we, we started to do things different. And then that was that was where we, we were. And since then, we've just been on a kind of a war path of what we think is a really good direction for a, an ecosystem-type project 
And there's a whole lot that we can talk about there, but I don't want to ramble for too long. No, no. That was a lot of great information. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of uh, great background. So, you know, one of the things people were always talking about blockchains is, you know, transactions per second, right? How many can you guys do, right? So, you know, they want to know, is it on-chain? Is it off-chain? You know, right. here is it? You know, is this really just, you know, you guys are using AWS and, you know, everything is just centralized. You know what? So right. maybe kind of break down for them a little bit, you know, what, what part is decentralized? What part is open source? The transactions per second, what's done on chain, off chain, all that kind of stuff for people. Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, our core software are committed to everything being open source. So we do have we do have some products. So for instance, we have a, an application called Sphere by Horizon that is kind of a souped up wallet that is still still uh, closed source, but we do have a migration path to make it open source. But uh, you know, in terms of our scaling, we have a two pronged uh, effort right now. The, the first effort is we actually are, are not worrying as much initially on the, the core, uh, the main chain protocol. The main chain protocol we're, we're keeping as is right now we're, with some efficiency enhancements. But the way we're doing it is we're creating a hub and spoke model where we have a main chain. And then we have all these basically an un- unbounded number of decentralized side chains that any application developer can deploy a side chain. For us, the, the vision is we, we don't want to make our main chain everything, like throw everything in the kitchen sink into your main chain, I think just doesn't make sense, right? You know, so we don't want uh, a Turing complete scripting language in our main chain. We just want it to be simple, elegant, robust, fast. And then we want to do all of the other scaling stuff like smart contracting we want to do. Like if we had a CryptoKitties, it would be on its own dedicated side chain. It wouldn't be bogging down the entire main chain. Everything that we want to do in terms of functional specific stuff will be done on side chains. And this is the, the big innovation that we're working on right now is our alpha release that we're gearing up for Q3 of this year. So we're pushing hard on that. I think it's going to be a game changer in terms of scalability because it's a truly decentralized system where you don't have to know any, like we, we don't have trusted certifying nodes. For instance, like all the other sidechain, you know, systems or models on the market right now all rely on trusted nodes to be able to operate the software. Ours is truly decentralized where we'll have essentially any one of our, you know, secure super node operators could sign up in this competitive marketplace to be a, a certifying node for a sidechain that gets deployed. So an application developer now can say initialize the sidechain and, and then put a, an incentive out there in terms of fees. And then node operators can now go and say, well, I'm going to also run the sidechain in addition to the main chain, or just run a side chain. It's designed to be permissionless and truly decentralized, because I think this is, if we don't go this way as an industry, I think that we're going to fail long-term. Sure. No, I, I agree with a lot there. Um, so then on the side chains, if you had a CryptoKitties or something like that, you know, what kind of transactions per second would somebody be looking at you know, on a side chain? Yeah, so actually, we're looking at using... Uh, the oh, proof of stake, first of all, but a specific proof of stake. So we're, we're actually have R&D partners with IOHK. You know, so the sure. tech team behind Cardano awesome. are also, we have an R&D you know, team from that company working on, so we're deploying Ouroboros Prowse nice. is our reference sidechain model. So our, our sidechains will be very fast because they'll be actually you know optimized proof of stake. And our main chain is proof of work. I should probably say uh, the second part of our scalability solution is actually then up a huge protocol upgrade on our main chain. So we want to go from being a, a Bitcoin-like main chain that you know has two and a half uh, minutes per block on average to one that we can do many blocks in parallel. So we're actually looking at upgrading to a block DAG technology, uh, directed acyclic graph. So instead of just doing things in serial like you would have with a blockchain, right by definition, a chain of you know serial blocks, we want to just generalize that and open it up to be able to do blocks in parallel and have a massive scalability in terms of transaction throughput on our main chain. So going DAG, all right. Yeah, yeah, going DAG, that's, that's the vision. 
the, that's where we're marching towards. Yeah, it seems like a lot, you know, not a lot of people, but you know, you got people like IOTA and Hedera and people, you know, talking about the Tangle and, and DAGs and stuff like that. So yeah, it'd be interesting yeah, to yeah. see, you know, if it, if it actually works and if it's as secure as what people say right. when, you know, basically, yeah. you're, you know, for, for the nodes and whatnot, instead of block producers, you're basically people who are just taking the two transactions prior, making sure that, you know, they do the work there before they broadcast their transaction. So it's, it's different than, you know, just every block just following after the next block. So it'd be interesting right. if it works. But, uh, but what I'll say is ours is different though, because ours isn't a transaction DAG. So those, those other DAGs are, are creating a graph of transactions and transactions verify the transactions, which is, is beautiful and elegant. You know, if things can scale properly, it's still TVD, like you said. Ours is actually starting with academic research on instead of doing a transaction DAG, we're still packaging transactions into blocks and we're just generalizing the, the structure into a tree. So we're going to be, still be doing proof of work mining on blocks and just have many blocks per second. Mm, interesting. So, so, yeah, it starts off with actually some serious math proofs that, to actually validate that the model itself, you know, is mathematically sound. And then we prototyped it so far with our IOHK partners. And the next step is to actually build it in, into a production system. No, oh, that's that's interesting stuff there, especially, you know, with, with Charles Hoskinson and his team. Yeah, I've always said if he does, you know, half of what he says he's going to do, it's going to be incredible. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Impressive. Well, he, he's... A, He's amassed an army of amazing researchers and developers. So, uh, you know, it's it's a phenomenal organization that they have there. Yeah, he's got the creator of the Haskell code doing his Haskell programming. So that's <laughs> that's pretty legit right there, right? Um, exactly, exactly. Yeah, and then, um, you know, as far as you guys have an update that came out today, what, what can people actually do today on Horizon? And then when do you think uh, people will have access to more of your services? And, and I know a lot of this, you know, relies on, you know, the Hoskinson team, but uh, what, what do you foresee for people? Yeah, yeah. So we, we have the fir- one of the first applications that we built into the system was we extended um, a messaging protocol in, into the, the core blockchain. So it's a zero knowledge based messaging protocol. Um, so that people can send each other secure messages. So we have that already. It's available in our, our wallet apps. We have an upgraded or a, a better UI version of it in Sphere by Horizon. So that's something you can do today. Obviously, we're, we're a transaction currency-based system. Is Currency was our first app, messaging our second app. Um, going from there, though, really sidechains open it up to be more of a platform and not so much of a cryptocurrency. Gotcha. Cool. And then um, you guys were called what Zencash before Horizon, right? So what? Exactly. What, uh, what made you rebrand? You know, you see people, you know, change change their names from like uh, what was it? It was like Anchors to Neo or something like that. And then um, so we exactly. had Zencash, you know, to Horizon. So what's yeah. what's the reason behind that? Cash is the reason, right? So we, as, as we're building out a platform, it doesn't make sense to call ourselves cash anymore. So we basically, we, we chopped cash off, off of the currency. So our ticker is still Zen. Uh, we still refer to the cryptocurrency itself as Zen, but the system itself is now called Horizon. So it's kind of thinking about the, the future and, and where we're going as a platform. So we wanted to, to shape our brand early on. And we realized that Zen Cash wasn't going to scale into the brand that we wanted. How's, um, you know, in, in creating a blockchain and creating a, you know, a project in general, it's, it's hard. People don't understand that they're like, they want things every, you know, every day. When is it? When is it? They don't, they don't realize it takes time to build this stuff out. So like maybe what's, what's one of the biggest challenges that you've seen, um, you know, maybe in, in your journey, creating, you know, creating Horizon, what's maybe one of the biggest challenges you've had to overcome? And then um, do you guys worry about like 51% attacks and things like that? I mean, you can look online and see how, how cost effective it is for people just to, you know, rent some hashing power and go out and just, you know, trash, uh, trash blockchains and, you know, create a bunch of uh, currency out of, you know, thin air and you know, hit the exchanges before the exchanges know it. So maybe talk about yep. some of the challenges you've seen that maybe people don't understand when it comes to, to building these massive, you know, projects. 
So there, there's three things I'll, I'll talk about. And I'll start by just saying the 51% thing. So we were actually 51% attacked. So we have direct experience here. And as soon as we were attacked, so we, we spun an ops team up immediately as it was happening. So we we're able to kind of mitigate the damages as they were happening and document everything and get all of our stakeholders and community aware of what was going on so we can kind of stop the damage. So that, that was good, but it's not so good to be vulnerable to it. So what we did was actually we modified our protocol to introduce basically, instead of having just the longest chain rule, kind of like a single, a single uh, check on w- whether or not a chain is the right chain to be building on, we added another check. So we have two checks, basically. We added a penalty system so that if, if a, an, an adversary, which is what happens in 51% attacks, were to mine a whole bunch of blocks, a sequence in, in private, and then all of a sudden dump it on on the network and then convince the whole network to migrate over to that and then basically force in a double spend or a sequence of double spends, we, we killed that. If someone submits delayed blocks to our network, we assess a penalty and the penalty can scale. We can tune the penalty arbitrarily high or whatever we want it to be. So we really removed ourselves from at least the first layer threat from 51% attacks. What, you know, whether or not the adversaries evolve, which I have no doubt they will, and they figure out different vectors of attack, that's another story. But the, the original vector of attack that most of the industry is still susceptible to no longer applies to us. At least it's much more costly to try to attack us than our hash rate would, would indicate. Um, secondly, so in terms of challenges, so I would say the first challenge that we encountered was this is an industry of crypto anarchists. So it's like herding cats. Imagine trying to get a whole room, a room of crypto anarchists. First of all, they don't step into a room together and get them to coherently start working on something. You know, it's one thing to be able to, uh, you know, modify code, edit code, uh, do some troubleshooting on code. It's a completely different thing to be able to build a complex system from scratch and have a sophisticated piece of complex software. This is something that takes a, you know, a very professional, coordinated team, um, you know, a long period of time, you know, iteratively to build and to deploy safely. So this is our first challenge was actually to form as a team. And we went through multiple iterations. And I think now we're, we're just such a well-functioning like machine. It's awesome. Right? It's fun. Every day at work is fun. There's new challenges, but we're systematically can overcome. I, you know, it feels like anything. Maybe I don't, I don't want to, you know, I mean, knock on wood there, but it was a big challenge to just you know, organize it or culturally overcome just this, you know, we're, we're all crypto anarchists. We don't want structure. We don't want direction. But to be able to build things in for the long term, not just, you know, patches and fixes here and there or modifying something that exists, but to really build something innovative from scratch, you have to have, you know, a more sophisticated organization. So that was that was number one. And I would say number two is the elephant in the room is we, we built out our team and, and our plans. And, you know, we had this you know, detailed project management and resource loaded schedules. And then all of a sudden the market tanks 90 percent. And our budget, because of our treasury, is based on the price of Zen. So all of a sudden, we're, we're, sitting, we're sitting on plans and commitments that we made to the community in terms of tech development and all these things that we're doing. Uh, and our budget just gets slashed. So we had to figure out how to operate with you know, a significantly fewer resources, become much more efficient. So in the long run, I think, long run, this is going to be a really good thing for us, in particular, the industry as a whole. We could do more with less, and we had to be much more intentional with what we do and where we focus our effort. So we start focusing instead of the shotgun approach of, you know, the industry is going crazy in 2017. You have to do all the stuff to try to keep up with all these projects. And then we realize, okay, we have limited resources. Let's focus on exactly what's important, the most important. And that's, that's where we went. So that's, 
it's been a very challenging wild ride, but I have to say in the end, it's extremely gratifying. And I think we're on a really good path. That's awesome, man. Yeah. I mean, especially with the 90% downfall of crypto that you've seen a lot of projects just close shop or you know, start laying off a ton of people. And I think the people that weather the storm and have just kind of kept their head down and just keep building and you know are very intentional, like you said, are going to be the victors at the end. So exactly. Still- now we're hiring again. So you can see we're kind of, you know, <laughs> crossed back into the upswing and now we're actually able to hire people. We have some great new hires and things are accelerating from here. Well, we've got, you know, a diverse audience. So what, uh, what positions are you looking to hire and uh, can they be decentralized? Do they have to be, you know, in New York or can they be from anywhere in the world? And what do you want them to do? So, so what, what I'll tell you my philosophy on decentralization is we're building a decentralized system, but what I've found is, uh, some functions I think work really well, especially when you're on a sprint towards a you know common objective like a piece of software. It's really nice to be in the same room. So it's really nice to have a, a coding buddy looking over your shoulder and you know tag team a coding project and then have other people reviewing it who are in the same room. You can bounce ideas. So actually, we built an R and D center in Milan, Italy, and we're staffed. We're continuing to staff up there. Our two new hires are in Milan, but we're actually looking to set up a New York. I mean, not a New York, a, a U.S. office. And potentially an Israeli office. So we'll see. So really, we're open to anything. We're going to base the office as kind of a competition on some of our internal leadership of who can find the best, um, you know, senior software architect first. And, you know, that fits our culture and we think is, you know, uh, the right person who gets our vision and knows and can take us to the next level of where we want to go to complement what we have going on. So that's, that's focus number one is it's actually a product engineering shop. So it's not necessarily core engineering. This will be actually taking the core engineering products out of our Milan office and now building the next application layers. So we're looking at people that can do that type of engineering, but also product people, people that can do product research, analysis, actually understand, is this something that users want? Because what I think has been a problem in this industry is you've had engineering engineers building project or products for engineers. That, that's that's going to go away. That's first generation stuff. Now we're on the next generation, which is actually thinking, what do people, you know, who are our, you know, what's our target target audience? Who are our customers, our users, and what do they want? Now, you need product people to be able to discern this stuff and actually have that feedback into the engineering process. So that's where we're looking right now. We have we have BD and sales and strategy teams already. We have finance, accounting, but that's kind of like, uh, you know, laying groundwork, but really we need the products that hit market before we can really ramp those up. Yeah, a lot of great points here, man. You know, people need to actually build something people want, right? So you got to figure out who your customer <laughs> right? is. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it's, exactly. Yeah, I mean, this isn't uh, new knowledge. This is this is old knowledge. You know, it's funny that how exactly. people think blockchain is so much different than everything else, but it's it's really not. It's a business is a business. Every one of these cryptos exactly. isn't some you know alien code. It's just people. <laughs> it's just a business. Every one of these crypto companies exactly is right. a company. So yeah, yeah exactly. Great and, and how like so the real the real question we should all be asking is how are we going to make people's lives better? That's <laughs> that's the fundamental question. And then you think about what product can make people's lives better. And then you think about how to make that product. I think it's been reverse yeah. so far. in the Exactly. And then some more questions about you. And then I'll let you get on with your, uh, you know, on with your day. I know, you're, I know you're busy there in New York. So, you know, if you, if you could have any superpower in the world, man, what would it be? Oh, man. Any superpower. <laughs> oh, that's such a good question. Oh, man. I think... Uh, Superpower in the world. I would love not to have to sleep. It's such a downer. To have, I mean, I love sleeping, and I really, I really, uh, you know, try to optimize my sleep because I think it's critical. But it is, it just seems like there's so much more that I would love to do with my my uh, life than lay there with my eyes closed. So inefficient, isn't it? We could be building so much more. <laughs> Seriously. Awesome, man. What's uh, what's your favorite yeah. book, and then your uh, favorite movie? 
Oh man. So favorite book for me, I'll tell you my favorite book. I'll tell you the book that probably changed my way of thinking the most. Uh, well, two books recently. I, one recent and one older. So one's called The Market for Liberty. So I was uh, kind of this minarchist type of, um, you know, maybe Milton Friedman type of libertarian, you know, prior to prior to this book in, in the sense that I, I just want, I thought the only thing that was possible, not just optimal, but possible was a limited government that just kind of takes care of society, maybe has a military, police force, judiciary and all that. Uh, it's kind of like a standard libertarian story. But then when I read The Market for Liberty, it actually opened my eyes to at least the possibility that maybe one day human society might be able to, you know, evolve to a purely voluntary type of society. And maybe we're not there yet. And maybe it doesn't go beyond a certain scale. Who knows? I have no idea. But at least it opened my eyes to something being possible. And I think that sometimes when you just remove the blinders of assumptions and challenge all of your own assumptions, it's a really good thing. The next book that I read recently, it, it was called um, Radical Markets. It's an economics book that just really challenged um, a, you know, a lot of my ways of thinking of, of economics and also how economics could be used to make you know, society you know, or welfare for many people in society better off um, in uh, the economic sense of welfare. And one thing that was really applicable to what we're doing is the idea of, say, uh, radical voting or quadratic voting. And I don't know if we'll ever be able to really successfully implement it in blockchain, but it's, it's a thing to think about because we're building a DAO as well. We're decentralizing our treasury pool. Uh, it would be interesting to think about other ways to um, create mechanisms or voting mechanisms that don't just rely on stake because then you don't want the handful of just rich people that own most of your currency or your, your coins to dominate every decision. I think that this kills innovation or it stifles motivation for people, you know, who are maybe just entering the ecosystem and don't have a huge stake, or maybe they're just young guys who want to participate. You need to have incentives. You have to balance the incentives and rewards here. So what I want is a system that balances the little guy with the big guys and make sure that one can't dominate the other. Because conversely, I don't want a whole bunch of, you know, little guys with no skin in the game to just be able to dominate the system and, you know, strip away resources for people that have invested a lot. What I want is something that's kind of a middle ground, that's rational. So this book actually opened my eyes to different ways to create voting mechanisms that are, you know, interesting to balance these things. And maybe it's not quadratic voting, maybe it's some other radical voting thing where we dork around with the coefficients or parameters. We'll see. It, it's interesting, but it does uh, open your eyes to a lot more. Yeah, interesting for sure, man. What about uh, what about movies? Yeah. What uh, what do you got for us? <laughs> movies i mean without rattling off the obvious ones like the obvious life-changing ones like gladiator i mean, <laughs> which, I mean which, gladiator was, which which gladiator the one with uh cuba gooding jr or the one with russell crowe <laughs> no the russell crowe gladiator right <laughs> that was yeah yeah the one with russell crowe i have to say just in terms of you know motivating get out there and no matter how much life stomps you down you could always get back so many great quotes in that movie too especially like when when russell's looking at joaquin and says the days for honoring yourself will soon be in an end <laughs> <laughs> i love that love exactly that. i love that love it it's a great one all right and the last question man if you can see any two people fight they can be fictional it'd be mickey mouse they can be anybody <laughs> anybody you want living or dead like a ufc cage match who would those two people be? Oh, man. Okay. So there, there is actually already a YouTube video on this, but I, I would love to see it in real life if we're possible. I'd say Friedrich Hayek and uh, Maynard Keynes. I think two, two opposite economists, one in the Austrian school and one in the, who, you know, the Keynesian school is named after. Let's have a cage match, have them go at it. That would be funny, man. That would be funny. Yeah. <laughs> awesome, man. So where can people go to learn more about you and more, more about Horizon? Yeah, so horizon.global. So Horizon, so it's Z-E-N, our ticker symbol in there. So we, we kind of 
tweak the net, the spelling of horizon.global is our main website. And from there, really it's a portal to everything. So you'll, you'll be able to reach our GitHub, our Discord, which is where a lot of the community activity happens, our Telegram, our Reddit threads, really everything is it's a one-stop shop for everything. You can download a wallet, you know, watch our YouTube videos. Actually, what we do to be transparent is we actually have a monthly live stream where we do kind of like a quarterly board review, and, you know, from the corporate world where we actually sit down and run through every, every division reports on what they're doing so that the community can see exactly what's going on. So find those all on YouTube, on our YouTube channel. So, and all of this, you can get to with horizon.global. Awesome, man. That's actually pretty transparent. You got a board meeting for, you know, basically all your, all your coin holders. They can go and see what you guys have been up to. Uh, Get a, well, they're who we're, we're responsible to ultimately, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's that's awesome. Yeah. You don't hear about that too much from projects. So, awesome, man. Well, I had a great time hanging with you and, and learning about you and, and Horizon. So, I wish you nothing but success. You know, we'll, we'll get this out as soon as we can. We'll get the links up for you so that way people can awesome. find you. Make sure you keep us up to date on what you guys are doing and have a great weekend, man. Thank you very much. Likewise, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. You time, Rob. God bless. Hey, welcome back, peeps. Huge thanks to Rob. You know, really appreciate you sharing your story with us. It was a great time. And I hope everybody else enjoyed it as well. Just a friendly reminder, the Crypto Beatles shows are never financial advice, recommendations, or trading strategies. The views expressed here are solely that of myself, Robert Beatles, and my guests. I am the co-founder and the builder of the Monarch Wallet, host on TradingView Sessions, and Crypto Beatles on YouTube. My opinions here do not reflect that of those entities. Some information shared here may not actually be factual. These shows are for information and entertainment purposes only. Never invest a single Satoshi or penny in anything without first seeking the counsel and advice of a professional financial advisor. I am not a financial expert or advisor. Investing in anything is extremely dangerous. You can lose all of your money. Always trade at your own risk. Love you. God bless you. Catch you on the next one.